This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It is time now for a Washington report where we take a look at some headlines out of the United States. Uh, history making bill being passed to issues with regard to China and Taiwan. On the line with me uh, this morning is Steve Ogan, Senior Advisor, McLaughlin Associates. Good morning, Steve. Good morning and happy National Day Eve. Thank you, sir. Um, let's talk about, you know, first things first, uh, overnight the Senate passing a Democrat's $750 billion health care tax and climate bill, a significant victory for President Joe Biden and his party. And you were telling me over text earlier that you don't expect too many challenges. So President Biden is probably going to sign this bill. I mean, you worked with the Clinton administration looking at this so many years down the road. My, how things have changed, even though there were challenges getting the 51 uh, votes needed. You know, this is an amazing accomplishment for the Biden administration, for the Democrats who control both houses of Congress, but, but just barely. And in particular, Senator Schumer, who's the Senate Majority Leader, because to get all 51 votes, which is the 50 Democratic senators, Vice President Harris, who's the tiebreaker, uh, because zero Republicans supported this, is a massive win for the Democrats. And like, it's a massive win for the country. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And hopefully all of this uh, really puts us in the right direction in terms of fighting climate change. Now, Steve, a couple of headlines coming out over the weekend. The United States set to take part in a joint military exercise with India. This is less than 100 kilometers from the South Asian country's disputed border with China. The drill is set to be held in mid-October. I mean, the relationship between India and China is already strained. Is this going to make things worse, especially on the back to last week's uh, sensational visit? it uh, by Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan? Well, this is the core of the Biden administration's foreign policy in Asia is that you work with your partners and like-minded countries. Um, And of course, the subtext is you work with your partners and like-minded countries and you don't work with those who are not like you, which would be China in this instance. So to have India and the United States working on these joint military drills uh, so close to the disputed border between India and China sends a very strong message that the U.S. strategy is working. And, yeah, this does cause concern with China. It's U.S. and India. It's U.S. and Japan. It's Mm. U.S. and Australia. It's getting everybody together to have joint drills at times. So, yes, this is where you're effective in your strategy as opposed to what happened. There are times when it's been ineffective. Okay. Taiwan also accused the Chinese army of simulating an attack on its main island on Saturday. Beijing, of course, continuing that retaliation toward uh, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan. In fact, uh, this morning, uh, this is all set to come to a close. Four days of unprecedented military exercises. They're calling it a cat and mouse game between Chinese and Taiwanese warships. I mean, at the moment, in terms of the U.S strategy, which we were talking about earlier, what seems to be the play? His visit to Taiwan, you know, which infuriated Beijing, has now led to these war games where you've had, you know, 11 Chinese missiles landing north, south, and east of Taiwan. So this is, shows that Taiwan is, uh, that China is practicing 
you know, a minimum, a hypothetical attempt to encircle the island yeah. and put in a quarantine, if not an outright attack. One of the missiles flew right over Taipei. Yeah. So it is very provocative. The Chinese government is using Speaker Pelosi's visit as an excuse to ramp up this escalation, which has now got, you know, cross straits tensions higher than maybe they've ever been, certainly higher than they've been in two decades. Mm. I mean, at the end of last week, we saw a lot of criticism from uh, especially the watchers from around the region saying that perhaps there was no need to so-called provoke China in that sense. Um, since Ms. Pelosi has ended her Asian tour, uh, so far, what's the reception back in the United States? What are you hearing? Well, I mean, I think the starting point is that the Speaker Pelosi has every right to go to Taiwan. Her predecessors have gone, you know, Newt Gingrich, when he was Speaker in the 90s, he went. There's no reason she cannot go. Now, the debate in Washington is, should she have gone? And the problem is, once it was leaked that she was considering going, and then the Chinese said, well, if you do this, you're playing with fire, and those who play with fire get burned, then she has no choice, and the U.S. has no choice but not to back down because you can't be against something you have the right to do. So there are multiple mistakes here. One was, is this really the right time for her to have gone, knowing the party Congress is coming up in China, knowing how difficult a time China is having with its COVID zero policy, knowing that President Xi wants an unprecedented third term, probably not the right time to go, even though she had the right to go. So, but once it's out there, now both sides are making mistakes and Mm. and arguably, and certainly China has ramped this up. And the question will be, can they turn it off? Because once you start to unleash nationalism in China, very hard to tamp that down. Yeah, yeah. She's got nerves of steel. I'll give her that much. But yeah, I like the way you put that out. And that brings us to this point, right? Like uh, over the weekend, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken accusing China of irresponsible steps, halting key communication channels with Washington. I mean, are the doors to communication completely closed when you consider that, I mean, not entirely related, but when you consider that there was a lot of talk about taking away some tariffs off China to help inflation. I mean, as you said, everyone's making mistakes right now. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't say it's completely closed. Okay. It's certainly closing, right? I mean, <laughs> but that completely closed yet. But yeah, I mean, the, the U.S. approach towards China is one where we are going to compete with you economically. Mm-hmm. We're going to confront you where you need to be confronted, like your militarization of the South China Sea, like your aggressiveness towards Taiwan. But then we're going to cooperate with you on things that's in both of our national interests. Number one, of course, being the climate pressure we're, we're all facing. Mm-hmm. And what China has said is, no, we're not going to play that game. If you confront us, we're not going to cooperate with you, even though you would think it's in our national interest to do so. And so that's when China shuts the door on any collaboration of tackling a global threat like climate change, that doesn't hurt the United States. It hurts the whole planet. And so will this last forever? I don't think so. And in fact, it's possible you could still see lower level Chinese and American climate officials exchanging views at, you know, at a a COP27 or other multilateral fora. Maybe you're not going to see the two top envoys, you know, led by by Secretary Kerry in the U.S. meeting with his counterpart in China anytime soon. But it's not completely closed because it shouldn't be. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken was also talking about the Philippines, assuring them that the United States would come to its defense if uh, attacked in the South China Sea. This is a disputed area and potentially another statement that's going to irritate the Chinese. What are your thoughts on this? Well, again, this goes back to the where we were talking about the U.S. approach of working yeah. with partners and allies, and they're yeah. working with India. And Philippines is an ally of the United States. Unlike Taiwan, where the approach is strategic ambiguity, uh, whether or not the U.S. would come to Taiwan's defense, there's no ambiguity when it comes to an ally like the Philippines. Mm. And so this shouldn't have the same type of response from China. But no question that the South China Sea could become a flashpoint, and that is because it has been militarized by China. And if it does, and so the U.S. needs to make clear to its friends, allies, and partners, as well as to China, where the red lines are in the South China Sea. And an attack on an ally like the Philippines is, there's no strategic ambiguity there. So this shouldn't have the same type of response as was Speaker Pelosi's visit. This is a bit of a complicated one, just to wrap things up, Steve. I mean, how important is managing the relationship with ASEAN? Because we ourselves here also want to manage a relationship with China. So there is a bit of a fragility in that sense. ASEAN is the only place in the world that is militarily important to the U.S. and China, economically important to the U.S. and China, diplomatically important to the U.S. and China, where the countries say, we want to engage with both the U.S. and China. We want to be friends with the U.S. and China. Nowhere else in the world is as important as ASEAN that has that attitude. And how is this going to help? The U.S. knows this. It's trying to be respectful of it, but it's getting more and more that balancing act is going to be difficult, and Singaporeans know that yeah. and are hoping to be able to balance the two. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Thank you so much for your time this morning, though. It's Washington Report uh, helping us out this morning is Steve Oaken, Senior Advisor, McLarty Associates. As always, thank you for your time. Take care and have a great day ahead, yeah? You too. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.